0: Do you remember the story of the quail? The quail that got uh, stuck in the... ...resin? Ra- resin. Yes? No?
1: It was a little bit of a test.
0: Here. Yes, the monkey and the... ...resin? And the quail and the hawk. <laughs> so the quail uh, uh, left its domain, uh, as the story goes, and uh, and then got exposed to uh, the hawk, and um, and got caught by the hawk. and so i'd like today to talk a little bit about this domain as it refers to the experience not of the quail but of the meditator i have to get something out of my mind cuz i've been telling the story of the quail a couple of times and every time i'm have uh, um, i'm uh, occupied by uh, like why is it that we're blaming the victim again? (laughs) So the quail got caught by the hawk. It's the fault of the quail. I've heard that somewhere before. (laughs) History repeating itself. Uh, So there's limits to this analogy. Let's put it, this: big limits to this analogy. But uh, I think we can still work with it. Can we? Yes. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I want to talk about the domain of uh, the meditator. So I've talked, I think, uh, some amount about the the quality of uh, sati or mindfulness, or the, you know, it's. Uh, we've talked about this quality. Yeah, that's the sense I get. You know, that there's duration to it. There's a, you know, the the staying. There's the f- kind of the freshness. Uh, underneath uh, the preconceived ideas like meeting, discovering the familiar. So, so it seems like there's the, the quality itself and what it looks at, what it uh, encounters. And so that's the domain I want to talk about. So there is this quality of awareness. What does it meet? What does it meet to, uh, for wisdom, discernment, to arise, or for compassion to arise, or for freedom or joy to arise. What does it attend to? Where does it land? this higher quality attention? Not like the superficial attention that we have usually, you know. We see one thing, we know the rest of it. Huh? You see one, oh, I know that type like that type. <laughs> you know, and here we're like, let's stay a little bit just to see if we're just gonna discover something else about this situation or this person. Let's stay, let's stay. So let's stay on what? Let's keep uh, meeting what? And to me it was um, highlighted, I would say, in a very powerful way um, the first time I went to sit, uh, to participate in, to, to learn meditation, it was in a retreat like this, a week-long retreat like this, and um, I was experiencing a lot of afflictive emotion, emotions, uh, a lot of fear, a lot of fear, a lot of confusion, um, shame agitation. Uh, something in my life had turned sour, to use a euphemism. Is that a word also in English? Something had, had, had turned sour, and it was uh, pretty much questioning everything, uh, every assumption I had. Some of you know, there's no need to make a secret of it. Some of you know it's, uh, I can't remember now, like 25 years ago or a little bit more, I learned I was HIV positive. Uh, and it was at a time where uh, you know, there was no medication yet. And some of you might have very personal experiences of this, um, you know, per- personal insight, in in your heart, but also maybe in your friendships or, you know, family or work or environment or... And, um... Yeah, so I was... I can't remember the numbers now, how many years ago it was or how old I was, but I think I was 25. Later I'll do the count when I'll be back in my room. You know, (laughs) but I think I was 25. And... um, Yeah, suddenly I was told, you know, youth, uh, you know, eternity, 25, eternity, seems like the deal, you know, like it seems when you're 25, it's going to go on forever, youth. And uh, health and, uh, yeah, life. Everything was put into question. And... uh, and in that confusion, uh, that confusion led me, thank, thank you, thank you. That confusion led me to uh, that all these uh, afflictive emotions, led me to a retreat center. And so, it was very striking for me, the, f- the f- first um, instructions, or the instructions through the whole week, were, were so not what I expected. So I had the problem to solve, which was, I'm going to die soon. It's going to be ugly. Everybody's against me. The whole world hates me. I just got what I deserve, apparently, says, uh, you know, the main culture, the dominant culture. Um, What am I going to do in this situation? And the invitation that I got was, please put your attention on your nose. <laughs> <laughs> I was really desperate, so I was willing to listen to anybody <laughs> and try anything, you know, and try just a little bit of, like, you know. Uh, you know, you, if you, 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 something about abundance, and you know, if you want it and you put your mind in the right direction, you know, you, you'll be healed and you'll be rich and <laughs> everything, you'll be fine. If it, if it doesn't work, it's your fault. <laughs> You're doing something <laughs> wrong, you know. And so I was re- willing to try something else. So, uh, and also, it was impressive. It, I was receiving this from uh, uh, monastics. You know, in a setting where it was exotic enough for me, I was in Thailand. For me, from my point of view, of, uh, of somebody from uh, Notre Dame de laurentides in Quebec, you know, being in the jungle, the forest, the Thai forest, and the, the, the monks, and the, there, was a, there was something both exotic, but also kind of a recognition of symbols, archetypes, you know, of spirituality and wisdom. and Anyway, so I was willing to listen. So, you know, there was instructions like this. Put your attention on your nose. Um, as you walk, feel the steps. It's very surprising. I would not have think about this myself. It would not have crossed my mind that this was my way out. My way out to me would have been to think obsessively about stuff, to hate certain emotions I was feeling. You know, to hate the shame, to hate the fear, to want to not feel it. And then, further along, the instructions were like, yes, uh, be with uh, your nose as the air comes in and out. Be with your stepping. Uh, uh, Be there as you're eating. All the instructions that, you know, we have received in the past, or are receiving here this week. And at some point, I was like, "Oh, if fear arises, just feel it, experience it in the body. Uh, get interested in it." No, would have been my, you know, immediate response. Like, no, I don't want to get into. I don't want to feel it. You know, how oh, shame? How oh, shame? Get interested in it. How? Where is it felt in the body? Does it stay? Uh, solid the whole day or does it move you know what happens to shame when suddenly you hear the bell calling you for the meal does it subside for at least a few seconds you know thinking of entertainment (laughs) in this barren world of meditation you know and uh, so there was these invitation to not reflect on, to not think about. It was very surprising. This would have been what I would have valued, and pretty much the only way for me would have been to think about something. And I was like, hmm, there might not be a need to think about in this way. But, you know, when the night comes, listen to the sounds of the night, or notice the light, or if the air gets cooler. Notice this. Notice this. And if your body, uh, if you, when you lay down your body, don't try to think about your life and your future and how it's going to end up ugly, you know. Just, if you can, just be with the body, aware that the body is lying down, breathing. And so I tried. And it turned out it was really, really helpful. It was a mess you know, because, you know, it was not like okay, body walking body sitting, body lying down, you know, there was all these this turmoil, this, these perturbations, you know of, uh, of um, all these emotions and the wanting to, underst- to have understood I didn't care about understanding, I wanted to be on the other side, you know I wanted to be wise I wanted, or for the retreat to be finished, or, you know So, you know, another kind of uh, type of afflictive emotion that was running was desire—desire for this, desire for that, desire—you know—and comparing. Do you have any of these? You know, oh, this person, you know, I'd like to be this person, you know, uh, projecting another uh, retreatants or the monks, or you know, wanting to be a monk forever. You know, and then wanting to run away in the night, escape, you know, kind of, you would call it, maybe conflicting needs. <laughs> I want to stay forever, but don't want to be here. <laughs> you know? So all of these, and there was, to the best of my ability, the following, the instructions, the, the, the hearing what was said, you know, what I could actually hear. I couldn't hear everything, I don't think so. But I could hear some some things could go through, you know, and try to apply the, these to the best of my ability. And, lo and behold, <laughs> <laughs> something started to open up, you know, uh, real interest for one thing, you know, real curiosity uh, developed for stepping you know, not. I was not expecting <laughs> curiosity for stepping to arise at some point, you know. And yet, suddenly there was, the maybe in a wider way, a, a, an interest for the present moment. When my mind was really clinging to past. If I had done this and done that, instead I wouldn't be here now in this situation or later what will i do with this how will i you know tell my parents and tell my friends and you know how you know etc and this uh, constantly these instructions to come back to the present what is actually happening oh crickets oh stepping oh heat oh sweat oh coolness oh Something else, you know, something happening. Breath. Breath took longer to get acquainted to or interested in. And so, slowly, uh, the teachers who were there were giving instructions about the domain, where to hang out, you know. If you have attention, what could you do with attention that would be beneficial for you and for others. And, and help, help, uh, help me along. And so there was a very slowly over the days defining what was the domain to stay in for protection, for discernment to arise, understanding to arise, for yeah, for all these beautiful qualities to in time to start to show up. And so in a very classic, classic, classical way, um, what we're inviting attention to meet or rest on, to land on, uh, in a very classical way, these, many of you know this, these are called the four foundations of mindfulness. The fourth foundation, what mindfulness is invited to rest on, the foundations of mindfulness. So these are, uh, I'd like to do a a kind of an overview of this, because up to now, I've named them in a kind of disorganized way. Because that's pretty much how they show up in our life, you know, they They don't show up, one, two, three, four, you know. Uh, They don't show up like this. They're they're all there. It's aspects, we could say, of our experience. Our aspects, particular aspects of our experience. I would say, and I think I'm probably going to be right on this, at least in this research center here, you could think of the retreat as a research center. And actually, uh, today I was, uh, I was thinking about this this a little bit this afternoon, and it's the first time I've been, uh, had the privileged chance to, to teach, I think for, uh, uh, for a number of years, for, I think for 15 years now, And it's the first time it appeared to me like this this afternoon. I was like, ah. In a way, what I do is almost as if I was um, receiving folks in a research center. You know, hey, welcome to the research center. We're not just going to visit. That could be something I could do, you know, say, show around, show to people. But here it's a little bit more. It's like, hey, we're going to stay in the research center for a week. So I'll show you a bit. How to manipulate the different things, how to do research, how how research is done. You know, and some some of the some of us being here, we've gone there, we've done this a number of times, many, many times, maybe more times than I have. Um, and so we know some of us are very new, we're like, hey, the research, imagine you come in a lab, you know, for the first time. Of course you're gonna be a little confused. <laughs> you're like a, Okay, you're telling me to take this, but this it doesn't quite work. Or oh my god, I put a little too much, you know. Or it's gonna take time, you know. So I was thinking of this like, oh, Pascal, it's not easy what you have to do, you know, to to help people along to learn how to how to be and how to use the the research to make discoveries, you know. And plus, researchers, I don't know, I I hear of them. I don't know. I might know some. But I certainly hear that sometimes it takes them years of res- research, no? Before they make a discovery. Okay, I just put this out there. It's important. You know, so there's a humility. You come to a research center. It's not like, hey, I want, I want the discovery. Well, it might take a little time, you know, but you might learn a lot of things in a research center. you know. But... So so yeah. So maybe I was saying this to myself, so, Pascal. It's okay. You're showing people the research center. You can't. You know. You can't uh, expect of yourself that you know everything will be revealed. You know, it doesn't work like this. Anyway, so so we're studying uh, through the four foundations in the way we could say uh, there are different aspects of our reality that uh, we get interested in. And what I was going to say is that what they all have in common, I think, is that they're happening in the present moment. It's good to define the, the field of research. To me, that's how I understand this practice. The field of research here, it's nuances to everything, but I think we could say the field of research is the present time. Echoes of the Buddha saying something like, Hey, let go of the past. Don't focus on the past right now. The past is gone. It's un- non-existent anymore. Don't, don't go towards the future. Don't think of the future. It, it's inexistent. It hasn't arise. Put all your attention, all your attention, in what is presently arisen, what is here, what is here. and He says, death is coming full speed. No time to lose. Very precious day. Very precious day at the lab center. Very precious day. Put all your attention on what is here, and you'll understand a lot of things or can be understood. And so the first foundation or aspect of our experience that we're invited to put attention, give attention to, is if it's been named already and you know this, you you would probably come up with it if I was to ask you, name a few, you think. So the first one is the body. Body is a kind of a code word, We could mi- be mistaken, think, "Oh, yeah, the body, it's this thing that is there, always there, solid. my body, I've had it for a few decades now. It seems like centuries sometimes. Mm-hmm. you know. But I say it's a code word to it's pointing to something changing a lot, from even from moment to moment. You know, what we call the body is doesn't it feel different now than it felt? a half hour ago? Is it a little different? Or not at all? The other one maybe was standing, or outside, in heat or coolness. You know? And this one here, right now, will probably feel different in 30 minutes. You know? Maybe a little bit more pressure on the butt, or in the legs, something like this. And so the first... uh, Aspect of our experience that the Buddha very wisely, surprise, surprise, very wisely is inviting us to pay attention to. And he, he unpacks it uh, by inviting us to be aware of breath. Ah. This is a bodily experience, or um, experience of the Material realm of the physical realm, expansions, contractions, uh, there's life in it. And so there's an invitation, very classic. Pretty much anybody knows this. If they know one thing about meditation, they'll they'll think it's related to breath. And so this is something that the Buddha invites us to pay attention to, to notice, to get acquainted with, to discover, again and again, the breath. It's happening now. The way invites us to be aware of the the body is through posture. It's like, when you're sitting, just be aware that you're sitting. Just this. To me, that's revolutionary. Because when I'm sitting, usually that's the last thing in my mind, that I'm sitting. Unless it starts to hurt, maybe. But in my mind will be a thousand other things, concepts, stories, you know. And then there's like, yeah, Pascal, you're in distress, you're in confusion. I understand. Just know you're sitting. Yeah, but the rest of my life, I'm gonna die. Just know you're sitting. Try this. Just establishing this um, knowledge. This this. uh, Just make contact. Become aware. Become aware. I'm looking for my words here. Sorry. Become aware that the body is not standing. It's not walking. It's not laying down. It's sitting. And see if you can just stay aware of this. It's not easy for us. It's not easy. And just to give us a hint of what happens, maybe with just these two. I mean, many things can happen. I could spend hours describing what can happen, what discoveries can be made by just being aware of breath or being aware of posture. Being aware of breath something that I noticed for myself. I could go in many directions. But something that I notice for myself very often is when I become aware of my breath, not very long after, I become aware of the state of mind, of the breather, the person breathing. You know, if I give myself this small little task or exercise to be with the breath a little bit, I'm going to discover that there is agitation, or obsession, or some kind of availability, I don't know how to describe this, but that I can be, some kind of calm. I'm going to discover something about my mind state. It's just one thing that I've noticed over and over again. Just feel the body for a moment, and then, oops, ah, contraction in the chest. Oh, yeah, there's anxiety here, or fear, or unrest. Or, oh, no, no clear sky, so to speak. So I'll discover something about this being here. This is just one thing. Being with the breath, I might discover the changing nature of experience. How a breath is such a momentary thing, such an ephemeral thing or staying with it, it might start with my breath. On oh, my breath, I have, to be, I have to be aware of my breath. My attention has to be on my breath, you know. And maybe on day four, five, or six of the retreat, it won't appear like this anymore. There'll be a slight transformation in view or perception. Certainly it won't be me with my breath, but it'll be the breath. Do you see a slight difference in the breath, the attention? the agitation or the calm, it won't be so much about me. It won't be so appropriated, so um, identified, so... Ah. So these are just a few things that could happen. There's so many other things that could happen. Maybe acceptance. Just noticing that the breath is shallow or irregular. And, you know, after a while wanting another breath, maybe suddenly naturally something will give up. That's exhausting to want to breathe differently. Breathe as, as you breathe. Ah. And suddenly I'll d- discover something about mind state. Wanting to control is energy, énergivore in French, energy costly. One, one thing, one one thing, and, ah, I won't have to tell myself this. It's just by being in a certain way with the breath I might learn, ah, oh, there's another way to be, less less energy involved. Am I doing it right? Ah, Oh, just saved a lot of energy. That's a kind of freedom right there. So that's being with the breath. Just aware of the posture when sitting, knowing you're sitting. I'll discover how much of the time I'm not there. I'm in mean, some uh, fiction storytelling, some considerations about some something else. You know, how much absence there is. Uh, this is maybe one discovery that I might make. So the Buddha talks about, in this first foundation, this first aspect of experience, he invites us to be aware of breath, to be aware of posture when walking, just knowing we're walking. It's an amazing way to actually uh, develop steadiness of presence. So simple. Pascal, can you just stay aware that you're sitting? very delicate work to just remain aware I'm sitting. What will be revealed for me is all my addictions. Addictions to being busy, thinking about stuff, uh, projecting, planning, rehashing. All these, these will be revealed. Are they for you? Let's be here and just know we're here. Suddenly, boredom. I've got to die of boredom, I'm addicted to stimulation, give me something, give me worry, please, something." (laughs) You know? It'll be... all these things will be revealed. The Buddha talks about activities of of the body. So, saying, you know, when you're reaching out, when she's turning the head, when they're uh, lowering the body, being aware of, being present. So being present to, aware of uh, breath, aware of posture, aware of activities. Uh, Washing hands, washing body, uh, changing clothes, uh, folding the bed, unfolding the bed, being there for this. The Buddha talks about all the activities, none excluded, worth being there for it. That's that's not my habit. My habit is to do things habitually, to not give a generous attention, to not... And yet, when I do this, like, um, well, that fits in the posture, but crossing the corridor, this is like the never-ending corridor. Depending on where your room is, I'm at the other end. So it's like, it's like in the movies, you know, when the corridor expands all the time. So I'm walking in the corridor. And, and uh, it's a beautiful practice to actually be there, be there, instead of wanting to be at the end of the corridor. And I can discover things about my mind, how my mind can get entangled in very small desire, like wanting to be at the end of the corridor. Misery can take very small forms. <laughs> you know, if only, you know, I had reached the end of the corridor. <laughs> Everything would be solved in my life. It seemed like I was talking about uh, confused perception or er- erroneous perceptions with the lack of attention. Erroneous perception. You could think, you know, when I get to the salad, to the counter, all my problems will be solved. Then you finally get there, you get the meal, you, you know, and not everything is solved, is it? But yet, I might be deluded in this way to think that, oh God, just five people and everything will be solved. You know? It's delusion, delusion. And so the Buddha talks about activities of the body, inviting us to be there particularly present to activities when we're moving things around so that's uh, maybe I'll stop here there's other ways that he talks about uh, being attentive to the body but uh, as I'm doing this kind of survey or going over overview I'll stop here another field and we'll talk more about this over the days Another field of experience that is definitely or um, very important or to, that we can become aware of, aware of is this uh, when there is a, an experience of pleasure, a pleasurable experience that happens. It can be in the body, uh, it can be at any of the senses, tastes. Thought, it can be something seen. Uh, it, it happens here, doesn't it? That we meet what we perceive as beautiful in nature or space or sky, or maybe animal life, birds, or at the ear door. And so these aspects, they're presented as separate, but they're linked to each other. In French, we would say vase communicant they related to each other. And so the Buddha seems to say, hey, whenever you have a pleasurable experience, become particularly curious, particularly present to this experience, and see what appears about it, what will be noticed about it. Or if you have an unpleasant experience, it's a really good time to be present. Because there's a lot to be discovered around this. Body experiences, breath, postures, activities of the body happen in present time. Try to feel your body two years ago. Mm-hmm. Try to feel your body next year. Not possible. So that's the entry point in the present time for the Buddha. Buddha also more palpable. And then pleasure is something to be felt when it's happening here, now. And so that's an invitation, to become aware of this. Because in all these foundations, these aspects of our reality, we have different ways to create suffering, maybe for ourselves. Maybe we'll talk more about this, just giving a few hints. With body, there might be uh, an identification, clinging as I or mine. You know? With pleasure, there might be a clinging to what is pleasurable. I want. I want to get it. I want to have more of it. I want to keep it. I want it to be mine also. And if we pay attention to pleasure, we might notice as experiences of the body that they appear and disappear. Pleasure appears and disappears. And that's why we want an attention that really tunes in and stays, remains in connection to see the pleasure arise and to see it vanish. There can be something extremely liberating to a mind that tends to cling to what feels comfortable or secure, or mine, or pleasurable. It's really good to notice how things arise and pass, because letting go can happen. Oh, it's in its nature to come and go. So can I experience this gracefully, the coming and going of pleasure, of displeasure? Oh, very strong Unpleasant opinion crossing the mind, you know. Maybe I can just let it be recognized, be experienced, no, as says the instruction. What you have to do is not get rid of it, just experience it. Just experience it knowingly. Oh, strong view crossing the mind, strong desire crossing the mind, strong sensation crossing the butt. Wow, very intense, very disagreeable. Wow, let me get interested. Many discoveries I can make about my relationship to uh, pleasure, displeasure. I won't even talk today about the absence of pleasure and displeasure and how we relate to this, what is called more like neutrality in experience. So these are things that happen as we sit here, as we are in the dining room, doing the mindful movement, uh, maybe being outside or in our rooms. These are things we find in the research center, in the retreat. But these are things we find in our lives also. When we will go back home, this is what we'll find. We'll find body in postures. We'll find activities of body. We'll find breath. We'll find experiences of pleasure and displeasure, won't we? Yes, we will. (laughs) That's what our life is going to be made of. So here we have a chance, when displeasure arises, to maybe form a new relationship or explore how we tend to relate to displeasure. Close down, want to attack, collapse. get a strong opinion. Very natural. All these very, very natural. And so body, experiences of pleasure, displeasure. And uh, another field, another foundation, the third one, body being the first, the second one being these experiences of pleasure, displeasure, or their absence. A third field is the mind Not the body, but what happens in the mind, or heart, or psyche in present time. Not like, oh, back then I was so happy. No. Past, gone. Future, not arrived. Put all your attention in the presently arisen mind state, mood, qualities of mind, emotion. What's happening in there? as when you hear me say, for example, what's what's the, uh, what's the state of the meditator? Maybe I've said that here a couple of times. Notice the state of the meditator. Very different way to relate to the mind. Instead of being in the mind state, impatient. Things are not going fast enough around here, you know. Or uh, discouragement this is never going to work out for me. Everybody else will get it except me, you know. <laughs> Instead of being caught under the spell, very natural that we would be, very natural that all these emotions would show up, very natural that we would be, you know, under occupation, preoccupied by the, these, that we would see the world, or situation, or ourselves, or our relationships through these emotions fear, worry, uh, or calm. Our gratitude, our curiosity, emotions, moods, qualities of mind, afflictive ones, beneficial ones. And so the Buddha's um, um, invitation is for us to notice the mind states. And so as we've been here up to now, you know, I've talked a lot about this. In, many, in different ways, you know. Just notice. The first evening, that's what comes to mind just now. The first evening, I was like, hey, as you're sitting here, notice how you feel. How you feel about being in this, in this place, here. You know, what? How is there lightness for you? Ah, oh, back at Loyola, back on retreat. Oh, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. You know? When back then when it seemed still like a good idea. <laughs> Forty-eight hours ago. <laughs> you know? So I invited you to notice what's your mind state. Or maybe there's some fear, some ambivalence at being here. So instead of being in the spell, under the spell, under the tra- in the trance of the mind state, becoming aware of So, third foundation, aware of the mind, the quality of the mind. Or call it heart, if it resonates more for you, or psyche. The the quality, the attitude, is one expression that is sometimes used. And so we can become aware of this. Oh my God, oh, wave of impatience suddenly. Strong wave of frustration. Whoa, hot, hot it's felt in the body, it's unpleasant, or quiet, quiet. Oh, not just the sounds, but the quality of the mind receiving the sounds. Sometimes we're here, experiencing something, but we want to experience something else. It can be noticed as it's happening, instead of being just under the spell, to, uh, to become aware of strong desire, To me, that was, if I go back uh, then to this first retreat and the first years of practice, one experience that I had um, often, very often, back then, maybe I'll put it this way, I think it's very rare that if, maybe I don't have it anymore, but at least I could definitely say it's very rare that I have that emotion uh, these last number of years, but uh, but m- back uh, in the first years of practice, an emotion that I had very often, that I learned to become aware of as it was happening, was the desire to not be. You know, I, I strong desire. Some of us experience this, I think, at times or maybe regularly. The st- like, not to be, be some, sometimes it's be somebody else, somewhere else, experience something else. But sometimes it's just to not experience anything. To not be, to not be me, to not be in the world, to not be, you know. I, I put it in words, but it was m- much more vague than uh, strong, but not defined, maybe in these terms exactly, just... Uh, and through the practice... Of mindfulness, knowing, experiencing consciously, knowingly, this third aspect that I'm naming here, is to become aware of wanting to not be. It's very different, would you agree, than being under the spell of, being really identified like I don't want to be I just don't want to be here I don't want to exist or I want to be somewhere else I want to be back home with the cat you know (laughs) this is all I want in life be back home and you know deluded not knowing that when I'll be back home I'll be as miserable as I I was before I came here but now right now it seems extremely satisfying to be back home you know and so being under the spell of this is one thing is a particular experience. Not wanting this emotion or mood is another way to be in relationship. I don't want this, I don't, I I don't want to feel grumpy, I don't want the hatred, I don't want the rage, I don't want the resentment. So either being in under the spell of that's one extreme in Buddhist thinking, you could say, another extreme is to hate the state, not want it. For me these are the two options I had before. Either I was caught in the confusion or self-hatred, or I hated the self-hatred or the confusion. Do you recognize something for you? And then there's this learning. Wow. Learning that I can be aware of a mind state, not under the spell of it, not rejecting it and fighting with it. no. Stop telling me that I'm worth nothing. I won't have it. You know, it's, it's exhausting. To debate, to fight with the mind state. I don't. I don't want to feel you. You know, but is it possible to actually recognize, name what is happening and feel it? Feel the discouragement. Name. Oh, discouragement. Feels like this. It feels exactly like this. It has a particular flavor. Become interested in the mind state. Not easy, but doable. This is the third aspect that the Buddha talks about. When he talks about, or when you hear about, you know, the four foundations of mindfulness, what attention could become interested in, in order to develop wisdom discernment compassion appreciation and so I don't know if it works for you but it works really well for me I'm hearing my teacher Joseph Goldstein when he does a talk often he'll repeat the things again and again so wait it's pedagogical pedagogical pedagogy Pedagogy. Pedagogy. So it's a way to teach. <laughs> a way to learn. And so what are we invited to bring our careful attention to? The experiences of the body, breathing, postures. Very simple. Connecting with this. Oh body resting. Staying with this. I could take off, yeah, but next week, body resting. Body resting. Fear. Contraction. So awareness of breath, of posture, or activities of the body. Awareness of experiences of pleasure when they arise. Or their absence. What is it to be in the absence of pleasure? Or right after, pleasure has vanished. The experience of displeasure. Can we bring careful attention to this? Oh, here's an opportunity for practice, Pascal. This is not fun. This is not what I, expe- I expected or wanted. This is not what uh, you know would, would be um, my preference. Let's pay close attention here oh, oh, painful, painful to hear this, to feel this. Painful, so interesting, pain. is probably going to be experienced again in this lifetime. <laughs> Better get acquainted with it. Better get, see if I can be with this. Create a new kind of relationship with displeasure, disappointment. and becoming aware of mind-states, of qualities of mind, of moods, as they're happening. For example, we don't need to look any further, there is a mind-state here now. Different, slightly for every one of us, but part of human nature. All of these that I've named up to now, Do you recognize they're part of human nature? Postures, breath, activities of body, experiences of pleasure, displeasure, their absence, mind state. There's a mind state here. For some of us, it's interested. For some of us, it's not interested anymore. (laughs) It was good for the first 20 minutes or so, but now, you know? No judgments. We can become aware of this. Bored to death. Wanting to be at mealtime now. Okay. Okay, I participated, I listened. Let's go to the meal now. <laughs> Can we? You know, so if there's slight impatience or resistance. Oh just naming it. Resistance. Maybe recognize it if it's possible. Mm-hmm and becoming interested, how it's felt in the body. So the mind state. And there's a fourth foundation. There's many ways to talk about this. There's many aspects of it. maybe may be very interesting. So if you're in a research center, we'll say like, hey, there's a whole other section. You know, wow, there's a lot, a very fine experience to make of this, but we won't go there today or this week. Would you... Accept this? That, <laughs> no. <laughs> so one way to talk about this, one very simple way to talk about this fourth foundation, just for the sake of today or this talk, I'll say, and just to inspire us and intrigue us, I'll say, the Buddha, for the, this fourth aspect, it changes a little bit the rules of the game. So there's the body, and the different way we can be attentive to it. There's the experiences of pleasure, displeasure, there's the mind state. And then in the fourth one, the Buddha says, Hey, I'm inviting you to be really attentive on how you can go from afflictive emotions to liberating ones, or beneficial ones, or how you can go from Affliction, how you can, how this, what's this journey, how it can be implemented? It's interesting, no? It's not just mindset, mind, it's beautiful to just be aware of mind state, but then it says this more subtle art that we'll discover, and we will discover this here, I'll talk more about this, how to go from uh, affliction, how to accompany the mind from affliction to what? Balance? Or acceptance? Or how to change the way we're relating to what's happening. Like this kind of, I almost want to say alchemy. You know, uh, an example would be, there's a, maybe I feel a pain in the leg or knee. This. Uh, strong sensations of maybe piercing or kind of seem relentless, And so there's a sensation. So if I think in terms of the four Foundation, I could discover, "Oh, you know I'm sitting." And there's a sensation here. This can be known. It can be known. Oh, it's disagreeable. Let me be really interested in this this is disagreeable. Let me come closer, if I can, if it's possible. You know, if there is enough courage in the field, or, you know, space, or interest, or, you know, maybe I can come around, oh yeah, throbbing, piercing, disagreeable. How interesting. Maybe I'll discover the fear, or the projection, I'll discover the mind state. The mind state might be. The mind state could be um, um, could be annoyance, or fear. No. Don't want resistance, aversion. Don't want. Don't want to feel. Hate this. Despise this sensation. You know. So I might discover this. Oh, there's the sensation itself, and the quality of the mind that resists or push or is annoyed by. Ah, oh, I can wake up to this. So here, I have three foundations. The body, the displeasure that is present, the mind state that meets it. And then the fourth foundation would be the discovering over time, in the course of the week or years of practice, to discover how there can be this alchemy, so natural that something painful would lead to aversion, resistance, Despising doesn't it make sense? When we're sensitive we respond really well to what is easeful and comfortable and when it's uncomfortable it makes sense that the mind would get resistance resistant. Yet there's a kind of possibility that the mind that maybe the pain would lead to quietness, to curiosity to interest, to acceptance, to compassion, to tenderness, maybe to joy, who knows? That's really interesting. This is really the stuff of liberation. How, you know, you hear something you didn't want to hear, bad news, of course, collapse inwardly, of course, get all rigid and... It makes sense that it would do this. That's really intriguing, in terms of freedom. Can there be, you know, a bad news? And how could we help our mind to relate to it in a way that would not be so, so, so aggravating? That where what would be called in, or invited in, that we could go towards would be, maybe sometimes, courage. Or again acceptance or creativity creative response or maybe sometimes playfulness oh voila everything went wrong you know how could that be? So this is the in a way in the short version what the Buddha was uh, inviting us to become aware of and this is very natural in the course of practice we will discover this in a natural way in an intuitive way by just paying attention by just paying attention we will discover different ways to hold situation you know the bell not ringing for example when i would like it to ring you know i have to go through a few like Ring the darn bell inside, you know, like tantrum, inner tantrum. I go through a few of these, and maybe at some point it seems like a really costly way to be in relationship with the lack of control here over the bell, you know? And so at some point, very naturally, there's something like, oh, maybe I'll just... I'm putting it in words, but it becomes very embodied, lived, intuitive... That kicks in courage, determination, patience as a better way to meet the situation. We find this for naturally by ourselves. That's the best way I can put it right now. Through quality contact, that's mindfulness, A quality contact with events, we'll naturally find what's the best way to hold this situation or feeling or this is what we're doing here it's very, it's vipassana it's one of the kinds of wisdom one of the kinds of understanding of discernment that we start to understand from a felt, in a felt way not in a concept oh, I should be more like this no, it's by experiencing it that we start to notice what is a helpful way to be with this And it's trial and error. So I'll do maybe the walking in boredom. Can't do this, hate this, hate this. And at some point, for some reason, there will be a little interest. Steppings. Wow, that's so different. It's still the same walking. But it's so different. What's the difference? Oh, it's the mind state. So I'll become sensitive to the different textures of mind state. You know, maybe I'll finish with this one example for me is um, I would go on retreat, st- probably still do, a lot less, I've learned. But the mindset would be opinions. So I would sit there and have opinions. And at the beginning they seem like really pleasant. I'm right, they're wrong. They don't know how to hold a retreat. They don't know how to do this. <laughs> I know. You know, with the superficial attention, it seemed like a really good way to live. But through soaking over time in opinions, you know, sometimes I started to notice something. (laughs) Well, it's actually quite costly. And there's a downside to being right, you know, all the time. (laughs) It's it's kind of lonely at the top. (laughs) And I started noticing there was a cost, you know, there was a, there was a cost to it, you know. And so then, very slowly, very, through just being aware of posture, being aware of walking, being aware of breathing, I started to notice mind state, mind state, oh, opinion, right, again, right, right, you know. And uh, I, get, I kind of started to see, oh, that's not intelligence, it appeared, I was deluded. It appeared as I'm intelligent. I know better than anybody else, maybe. Or maybe for you, the intelligence seemed to show as a self-hatred. There's a higher intelligence that knows you're a piece of shit. And it's happy to tell you, to remind you, you're never going to succeed at this. Like you never succeeded at anything, by the way. You know, it might be mistaken. That kind of mind state, state might be mistaken for wisdom, for intelligence. And by bringing high-quality attention, we'll start to notice, this is not my friend. This is not helpful. And maybe we'll touch, for just a moment, benevolence. We might touch it inside ourselves, or it might be transmitted. We might meet it somewhere, through somebody serving us food. Suddenly we'll be really present, to benevolence, experience it. And the mind, the heart, the system, vipassana, deep understanding, embodied in the... Something we'll understand, that has more value. That has more value than abuse, abusive speech. Slowly we'll clarify how to hold, how to be in relationship with events, with environment, relations, and what's happening inside. So these are the domain for the quail story. So what is the domain? What is happening here now, in body, in terms of pleasure, displeasure, their presence and their absence, how, how this is met, held, encountered? The presently arisen mind state, and starting to discern... Which mind states uh, bring peace, ease, are beneficial for me and others, can be cultivated? Which one and how some can be released, not entertained, not cultivated? Well, I'm not going to stay here. I notice resentment, telling the story, wishing harm to somebody for what they said or did. Actually, I'm going to shy away from this. I could easily just keep on nurturing this. But maybe I'll come back to the breath, the nose, as the first instructions send. Let's sit here for just a moment, or stand. a body here it's worth being experienced there might be areas of uh, displeasure or pleasure ease or discomfort can they be acknowledged with care with honesty with maybe with calm, with balance. And there is a mind state. Can it be recognized, or at least felt? It feels like this right now, just like this. being mindful is a very, very healthy, onward-leading quality of mind, or mind state, or attitude. May this uh, quality of attention and these four domains uh, become where and how we hang out. And may they lead to great discoveries. Okay, thank you, thank you so much for your consideration. Enjoy the meal (laughs) and all its foundations. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.